5, recently I've preached a couple different messages from this same topic of being obedient, and the Lord kind of directed another message this morning. But as we look at our annual theme this year, again, we've been focusing on striving together. Well, how is it that we're to strive together if we're not following the same leader, the same person, the same direction. It would be very hard for us. Again, we would go in different directions. But as we strive together, we're going the same path. We're going in the same direction. And that's exactly what happens when we become obedient to the same source. And that is the Word of God. Imagine with me, if you would, that you are part of a, a company. And the president of that company decides uh, he's going to take some travel time. He's going to go overseas and spend an extended amount of time there. And he says, you know what? You're my trusted employees. And I want you guys to run the business while I'm gone. But while I'm gone, I'm going to send you some letters, some instructions to make sure everything is going right. Everybody says, okay, sure, uh, we'll do that. And uh, he begins to write some letters as he's gone. And, and all the letters come in and this, that, and the other. But after a couple years, he comes back. He walks to the front of the building and notice there's weeds growing in the flower gardens, in the flower beds, and it looks a mess. Windows are broken. He walks in the front door and notices the reception is asleep at the desk. There's some loud music coming from the back. There's some people engaged in horseplay, and he wonders what in the world is going on. So he calls everyone together. Hey, let's get together. What's going on here? Very upset. He said, did you get my letters? Oh, yeah, we got your letters. We got all of them. No, by the way, those are some great letters. Oh, oh, yeah, and we've got them in a book. We bound them all in a book. We've got all the letters right here, and we read them. Every Sunday, we have letter study. We look at them, and it's great. And, and, and some people have even memorized them. It's great. It's wonderful. Those are some great letters. And he said, wait a minute. What about the instructions in the letter? Well, what do you mean? I mean, we read the letters. That's what we're supposed to do. You expect us to follow it? Makes me wonder what God sees when he looks down from heaven on us. As we've got his letters. We've got his instructions. How often do we take time to look at him and say, I'm going to follow those instructions that have been given to me. Again, it's important that we understand all that we have in the Word of God is there to help us, to guide us, and direct us as Christians. These are the, 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 the attributes we are to live by. Again, this is the perfect example, uh, the, the perfect source that we are to look at, to draw from, as we are to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It is perfect. It is right. It has everything we need for what we're dealing with today. But it takes time for us to look at it, to learn from it, and to read it. As we're looking here at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, we find the Apostle Paul is addressing those here. Again, in verse number 14, it says, Now we exhort you, brethren. So again, we see who it's addressing, who he is talking to. The word exhort means to incite by words or advice to warn. And the following few verses after that gives us a list of things that we are to do. Uh, these are verses that we've looked at many times before. We understand them. We've read them over and over again. And again, it tells us that we are to rejoice evermore. We are to pray without ceasing. We are to give thanks, quench not the Spirit, prove all things, abstain from evil. Those are some great things that we are to do. But those are not the things I want to focus on this morning. Because those are some things that we are familiar with. What I want us to look at is what we are to do after this. What as believers 
that we are to try to draw from the rest of this chapter. So let's look here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll begin reading in verse number 23. It says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord <clears throat> that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. In these six verses, we find four results of being obedient to what was previously mentioned in these other verses. Verses 14 through verse 22. So again, we've given what we need to do. And then we see the blessings that come as we are obedient to what God has given us. But let's have a word of prayer as we get started this morning. Lord, I do thank you for those that are here. Again, thank you for the time we have together to meet this morning, to be able to exalt you, lift you up, and praise your name. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be mindful of what you've given us in your word. Help us to be obedient to what you've told us to do. And again, as we read these results, Lord, we stop and think about our own lives. Are we, uh, again, seeing these reflected in what we do? Lord, we love you. Again, we thank you for all that you've done. I pray that you would just speak to hearts as only you can today. We ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. One of the most difficult things about raising children, as many of you know, are, is to get them to be obedient. And I'm not just talking about uh, uh, being in, just obedient, but being instant and obedient without being prodded and poked and, and, and forced to do it. The same can be true about our Christian life. Now, thankfully, God is not lording over us 24-7 with a switch ready to strike us down every time we break His commands or go against His will. But could you imagine if He was to do that? How obedient would we be? I think we would probably follow the law, the letter, a little bit more than what we do today. But that's not how God operates. He's given us His instructions. He's given us His will. Now it's up to us to follow it. And I'm so thankful that he's given to that. But what we find in our text here, the first thing or the first result that I want us to see as we are obedient to him is the sanctification of the Spirit. Number one this morning is the sanctification of the Spirit as you find there in verses 23 and 24. As we follow the Lord and what he desires for us to do, he begins to change us from the inside out. As we learn not to render evil for evil, to stop doing the tit for tat, or the, the equal retaliation, if you would. If we rejoice evermore, not in a carnal way, but in a spiritual way, then we pray without ceasing. And we continue on down that list that's found there in those verses. God can take us and use us as He wishes. There in verse number 23, it says that God wants to sanctify you wholly. He wants to completely set you apart to sanctify you for His use. He purifies us in that way. Again, we begin to follow what God wants, and we allow His sanctification process to begin. We notice there in verse number 23 that He changes all three aspects of our lives. Body, soul, and spirit. We are a triune being, just as God is. A lot of people will look at that, where God had created us in His image. And many people think that it's the physical attributes. But it's that we are a three-part being, just as God is. God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We are body, soul, and spirit. Again, reflecting that same thing. 
But God wants to change every aspect of our lives. It's not just one part that God wants to change through His sanctification process. It's every aspect, every part of our lives He wants to change. Again, <clears throat> the conflict or the understanding that we, we don't quite know is what's the difference between body, soul, and spirit. Now, body, I think we can kind of figure that out, right? This earthly flesh that we live in, this body that you see today, is what we would consider our body. Between the spirit and the soul, it seems to be where there's some misunderstanding, some things that we don't quite understand with that. The dividing line is very minuscule, and it's very hard to define. But if you were to look in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12, again, a familiar passage that we know, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even unto the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So we, again, understand that God can divide that. The joints and marrow, you know how hard it is to divide the marrow from the bone and the joint? But God can do that. God understands that. The soul is made up of our mind. Our emotions, our free will, our soul can be, and oftentimes is, self-centered. But the spirit, the spirit is what was created so we could communicate with God. Before salvation, our spirit was dead because of Adam, because of sin. Salvation makes us uh, quickened, as the Bible says, or made alive. That's what livens our spirit, that we can commune with God. But God says, I want to purify everything about you. I want to change your, your, your processes. I want to change your thought process. I want to change your, your communication with me. I want to change your outward actions. That sanctification process is something that, that scares a lot of people. Well, I don't want to change like that. I don't want to be that weird religious person. I don't want to be that Bible thumper or, or whatever you label them as. But God says, I want to change you and mold you into my image. Into what I want you to do and how I want you to do it. You know, we have our own thoughts and our own minds and what we want to do and how we want to do it. And God says, I've got a better way if you would just simply surrender your will to mine. Can become sanctified and be used for God. Sanctification will be, uh, again, that process changing all three parts of our lives if we allow it. As I said in Sunday school this morning, God is not going to force His way on you. God is not going to force things on our lives. He simply invites. Hey, I've got a better way if you want it. It's kind of like that, that GPS in your car. When you go the wrong way and it says recalculating. It doesn't take over the vehicle and start steering you the wrong way, does it? No, it, it's just telling you, hey, you're going the wrong way. Recalculate. recalculate. But that's exactly how God says, look, I've got a different way. I've got a better way. Can you recalculate? Allow that sanctification to happen. But also we find that he preserves us. Again, verse number 23 says, Be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord. I'm sure as we read this part of verse 23, we focus on that word blameless. But let's understand the context that has been given here. If we're doing those things mentioned in verses 14 through 23, or excuse me, 22, it would be highly unlikely that we would do something that would go against God. Again, think about this. If we are following God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, we are doing everything that God would have us to do. I think He would, uh, again, protect us from going the wrong direction. As, say, believers, we believe that God our Father will correct us when we start to go astray. 
But if we are doing our very best, if we are following God as best as we can, now I understand nobody's perfect, right? We understand that. But we are to, we've been given the instructions here to do these things. Rejoice. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks. Quench not the Spirit. And all these different things mentioned in this verse, then God can, again, protect us. Preserve us from what the world could lead us astray. There's a lot of people in life that get so close to sin and falling over that they say, well, thankfully, uh, I'm not going, uh, I'm not following the Lord. But, or not following sin, but if we get back here away from sin as best as we can and follow God, it wouldn't be a temptation to fall. It wouldn't be so easy just to trip up and say, whoops, if I trip back here, I'm not going to fall off the edge. This is why it's important to stay as close as we can to what the Bible teaches. God has given us that. He's wanted us to follow Him and to make sure we're sticking as close as we can to what the Bible gives us. Our faithfulness to God will help us persevere and preserve us as we move forward. The sanctification of the Spirit is shown as He purifies us, as He persevere, or preserves us, but also as we find in verse number 24, He performs through us. Again, I'm thankful that God chooses us to be His instruments. I'm thankful that God can say, I can take you, no matter who you are, what you've done in life, and I can, uh, again, offer my salvation as you accept it, I can begin to change you and use you for His honor and His glory. I never thought in a million years this is where I would be, standing behind the pulpit, preaching the Word of God. But this is where God brought me, and I'm so thankful that He says, I want to use you. I say, thank you. Wow, I, I've... I, I'm a part of a team. I'm actually wanted, you know. Uh, but God says, I want to use every one of us. If you're saved, God has something for you to do. We've simply got to surrender and allow Him to perform through us. Sanctification is a wonderful process. It's something we should all strive to allow in our lives. But again, some people are kind of scared of that. But as we do that, we can secondly see the supporting of God's people. Number two this morning, the supporting of God's people. Look at verses 25 and 6 with me again. It says, Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. As humans, we have been created to feel a part, to be a part and included into a family. Now, we can go back and look in the animal kingdom and see how there are different, uh, different animals that are a part of that as well. Think about wolf being part of a pack. Again, it's something we, we think of. A lion is a part of a pride. A crow is part of a murder. I don't know how they come up with that one. But there are other things, such as a, a swarm, a clan, a troop, a pod, and all these different things that different animals are a part of. We are no different. We want to be part of a family. And not just a family of our genealogy or our bloodline, but we are part of a spiritual family. If you're saved this morning, you are part of the family of God. And having that spiritual family, we have much more benefits than just being a part of a normal family. As believers, we have the strongest bond there is, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, oftentimes, we've traveled in the military in a variety of places, and we can go to a church and just connect with people instantly because we have something in common. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful that we have that bond. Because there are many times we go to places, and I'm sure the Smiths feel this way as they travel around the U.S., that they can come to a church and instantly connect with people because of what we have through Jesus Christ. 
Again, it's the strongest bond we have. We need the support of other believers as we journey through this life. And this is why Paul reminds us to pray for one another. I'm thankful for those that, that tell us of prayer requests. Again, we do that on Wednesday night. We've got a prayer sheet that we go down that we can utilize as we pray. Because we are praying for the needs of one another. But we are to pray for one another, as verse 25 says. Brethren, pray for us. This is something that we find continually throughout Scripture. First, Corinthians, uh, First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11, it says, Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face continually. Matthew chapter 7, and verse number 7, Ask and it shall be given you. Watch and pray in Matthew 26, 41. Men ought always to pray and not to faint in Luke chapter 18, and verse number 1. We just read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without, uh, pray without ceasing. So again, we find this over and over and over again, that we are to go to God in prayer. But not just to pray for random things, but we are to pray for one another. There are many examples that we can look at in Scripture and understand and see this. As, in, uh, as I mentioned, the adult Sunday school, we've been going through the life of Moses. And Moses, one of his greatest attributes was his intercessory prayer for the nation of Israel. He continually went to God in prayer for the nation. If you were to look back in Exodus chapter 32, verse number 32, it says this. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sins, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of the book which thou hast written. Can you imagine saying, Lord, I want the nation of Israel to be brought back in favor with you, and if, if not, if I could help, just take me out of heaven. Remove my name, if that will get them back. Sorry, I'm not going to pray that way. <laughs> I'm not as good as Moses. Uh, but that's exactly what he was praying. He was wanting the nation of Israel to be brought back in favor with God. But he prayed numerous times, wanting God to bless them. We go back and we can look at Samuel, how he prayed for the nation. Again, David repeatedly prayed for Israel. Hezekiah, Job, and many others prayed for God's blessings and will on their lives. We can look at the New Testament. This is not just an Old Testament thing, it's a New Testament thing. Think about the Apostle Paul for a moment. We go back and we can study his different epistles. The Pauline epistles, the letters that he had written to all these different churches. And you'll find in each one of them, the first chapter, he says, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. Romans chapter 1 verse number 9, Ephesians 1.16, Philippians 1.4, Colossians chapter 1 verse number 3. Each one of these have stated that I prayed for that church. Now, we understand who the Apostle Paul is. We understand his character. When he says that I prayed for you, he didn't write it in a letter just to make them feel good. No doubt that he prayed for them. There are many times he mentions that he was in prayers weeping for them, praying for them, that the Lord would bless and direct and guide and help them. So, again, we are to do that for one another. When was the last time you prayed for somebody else in the church? Maybe even weep with that prayer. But the most important example we could look at would be the Lord Jesus himself. Look with me back in John chapter 17. John chapter 17, as I've said before, is a, a, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. It's, it's such a powerful, powerful chapter because Jesus himself took time to pray for you and me. As we look there, again, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Facing his soon demise, he took time to go to God the Father on our behalf. John, the Bible says, was just a stone's throw away. And he could hear what was going on, what he was praying as he was pouring his heart out to God. 
But in verse number 8, it says that He prayed for our salvation, that we would hear and heed His Word. He prays in verse number 15 for our spiritual safety and for our sanctification in verse number 17. But I want you to look at verse number 20, if you would. John chapter 17, verse number 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which, will, which shall believe on me through their word. Jesus' intercessory prayer for us, for us to share his message. What a powerful, powerful chapter. And I'm grateful for the intercessory prayer of other believers. I know there's people in our church that pray for me continually. Different names come to mind as I know that they are praying. Because there are times, I don't know about you, but, but I struggle spiritually at times. Believe it or not, yeah. There are times I feel like my prayers don't get any higher than the ceiling. But I know there's other people that are praying for me. That are helping me through prayer. Just as I pray for you, and you pray for other and pray for me, it's something we are to do. Because we all need that encouragement. We all need that help to make it through. To continue to exalt Christ. To draw closer to Him. To whatever it is that, that we are doing. But knowing that people are praying should encourage us. We need to pray for one another. And as we find in verse number 26, just to keep it alliterated with a P, we should pucker up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought about that. In our support for one another... We do see the importance of the presence of other believers. That's the P I'm giving you. The presence of other believers. Again, found in verse number 26. No matter how hard you tried, you know this, you cannot kiss from long distance. I've tried. It doesn't work. It doesn't work over the phone. It doesn't work over email. It doesn't do it even on FaceTime. And I don't care what pictures people have of me. You still, it's not the same. But you can't kiss from a long distance, can you? What does that say? Greet one another with a holy kiss. What is that all about? It's talking about the presence of other believers. I'm encouraged when I see you here. I know I've mentioned many times when we had COVID and it was just the camera that I got to preach to. It was not the same as seeing warm bodies in the pew. It's a difference. We need to see each other. We need to encourage one another. We need to come alongside each other physically to help one another. But again, we need to that physical contact, that help from others as we get and as we join together, as we serve and, and do those things that God has called us to do. But it's more than just inside this building. It's outside as well. How encouraging is it to talk with other people about the things of God? How nice is it to be able to uh, talk to people and, and tell them what God has done for you? Yes, we may do it here on Sunday morning. Hey, what's a blessing? What's a praise? And people will say things. But do we tell the world out there the same thing? Are we sharing that same message with those around us, with our neighbors, our family members, or co-workers? Do they know and understand what God has done in our lives? Or is it something we just keep inside of here? We need to share that with everyone. We need to make sure others know what God is doing for us and give Him the credit for what goes on and happens in our lives. You know, we believe what the Bible teaches, but not just what we read, but what we to do and how we're to apply it. It's very, very important to me that we understand the application part of the Word of God. But in doing that, we can support each other in rejoicing, in prayer, in giving of thanks, and all those things listed in those verses. Never overlook the importance of the presence of other believers. It's powerful. It's encouraging. 
to know that other people are walking the same walk that I'm walking, that are striving together in the same direction to fulfill what God has for us. This is the whole reason we have a theme, so we can come together as a church and go in that same direction. I want us to strive. Strive means pushing hard, exerting energy, not striding as just a lonely little walk in the park. But we are to work together to fulfill God's command and what He's called us to do. But we can't do that by ourselves. Again, together, doing it as one, going forward for God. As we continue through these passages, we come to verse 27, and we see the sharing of Scripture. Look at verse number 27 again, back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. How does it make you feel when you talk to somebody else about the Bible or the things of God? Does it excite you? Do you get, uh, uh, I don't say that warm, fuzzy feeling, but I get excited when I start talking about the things that I've found in my personal time of study. And when other people share with me things that they've read or, hey, you know, I've never read this before. I've read it a million times, but I've never seen it this way. I'm like, whoo, that, that's exciting. It's nice having Dustin here sometimes. Sometimes. No, it's nice that I can go in his office. I say, hey, man, I just read this. And I know I've read it before, but let me share with you. We'll engage in conversation. We'll talk back and forth, and, and I'll get his inputs. Hey, what do you believe about this? Or, or what do you understand about that? Those things excite me, and it should excite all of us as we're talking about the Word of God and what He has given us to live by. This is what Paul was saying. He was saying that we are commanded to speak. Could you imagine coming to church and not saying a word to anybody? Not talking with anyone. Not sharing with, with, with anyone what's going on in your life. Not shaking hands. Not doing any of those things. Paul said here, I charge you by the Lord. This is a type of oath that we should encourage one another to be obedient to what we've looked at previously. Again, going back to those other verses and what we're to do. We are to warn those who are unruly. Support the weak. Ask how we can pray for one another. Rejoice with each other in their victories. All because... We have a desire to live for God and to follow His will. This command to speak is not just for the saved, but the unsaved alike. How else are we to draw people to Christ if we don't show them the love that Christ has shown us? Oh, brother, I love you, but you see that person over there? Yeah. Too many times we become judgmental. We need to draw them in just as Christ drew us in. Love them just as much as God loved us. You say, well, I can't. Go back to Philippians 4.13. I can do only some of those things. Only the good things to the saved. No, it says I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So again, we draw our strength from Christ to do those things to others so they can see Christ. We all know that we are to be that witness. You know, many times we come to church and we see this reminder that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We are to preach Christ no matter where we're at. This is not just a Sunday morning thing. This is an everyday thing. This is everywhere we go. We are to show Christ to all. We are to share that message of salvation. The Bible says we can win others through our conversation, through our manner of life, if our disposition reflects those things mentioned in Scripture. But verse 27 also gives us the idea to celebrate in unity. We can read the epistle 
unto all the holy brethren, it says there. This is what we are doing right now. We are reading this together as a sign of unity, to be drawn together to focus on what God has for us. As a church, we should have unity. Unity of believers, unity of spirit, unity of direction, unity of desire. All of us should be focused on one direction. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 5 tells us, So we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. There's a lot of people that get mad and say, well, I want to be this and I want to be that. And the Bible again goes back and says, not everyone can be the eye. Not everyone can be the hand or the big toe or the, the toenail on that little toe that doesn't do anything. That's, that's, that's me there. But we all can't be those things. We've got to be what God has called us to be. Because that puts us together as one body and focused on Him. But celebrate that unity. Celebrate that common goal of seeing others get saved. Celebrate others coming alongside, wanting to join and unite with us and go together again sharing that message. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 10 tells us, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye speak the same thing, that there be no division among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. We are to have that same mind, that same direction, that same focus, striving together what God wants us to do. If you're having problems sharing that scripture, then maybe you need to go back and look at the obedience to God. Are you doing those things that were given to us prior to this? But finally, I want you to see the sustaining of God's grace. Number four this morning, the sustaining of God's grace. Look with me again at verse 28. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. In each letter that the Apostle Paul has written, we find this salutation, a gesture of God's grace. Paul understood the importance of God's grace for each believer. Grace is God's favor and kindness to mankind. Not that we deserve anything that we've been given, but because of God's mercy, we find His grace. We have salvation because of God's grace. That salvation begins with the forgiveness of our sins, as 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9 says. What a wonderful thought to think about, again, our salvation, what God has given us. We have eternal life in heaven because Jesus gave us that gift. But we've got to learn to accept it. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never accepted that gift of salvation. God says, I'm offering it to you freely as a gift. I'm giving it to you. You don't work for it. You don't have to do anything for it other than accept it. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and save you. And that all is because of God's grace. Our sanctification that we spoke of earlier is brought about by God's grace. We are transformed into His image as we obey the commands and follow His call. Grace brings us hope, everlasting life, and confidence in God as He has a plan for our lives. We have comfort in a time of need and despair. Courage when struggles come and are hard to bury. Corrections will follow when we are drawn away by Satan, all because of God's grace. These are the benefits of being obedient to what God has outlined for us in Scripture. I want God's sanctifying spirit in my life. I need the support of God's people. I love sharing Scripture. And I don't want to imagine life without God's sustaining grace. So these are the things that we can rely on 
as we follow in obedience to what the Lord has given us in the Word of God. But the question comes back to this. Are you obedient in your walk with God? As about eyes are closed this morning, I'm going to ask again, you stop and think about how obedient are you and what we find in the Bible. Paul gave us a list of 